Welcome into the bad fan. College football is upon us. College game day, Saturday mornings with cool fall kickoffs. It doesn't get much better than that. And it's back. And what will the college football playoff shape up to be this season? The Heisman front runners. We'll talk about that today on the bad fan. Plus a look at one of the largest transfer windows in soccer history as deadline day just passed. Your journey discussing all of this with the bad fan begins right now. Hello and welcome in. I'm your host, Cole Carter, and I'm glad you have tuned in to another edition of The Bad Fan. As you can see, my friend Brandon Pacek is alongside me today in the proverbial studio, and I see he has his Buckeyes jersey on tonight. Brandon, how are you feeling coming into week one of the college football season? Wow, it's here. I wasn't very excited for it last week, but I went and saw, like I said last episode, the best damn band in the land play almost made me cry to be completely honest with you um just the sound of the horns the drum line everything and i couldn't be more excited i could not be more excited i know it's starting to creep up on me too i'm excited just to get onto the field get to experience some college football atmosphere in person um i mean man it's been yeah a- tell us tell us what you're doing this year i don't know if yeah. we covered that on this on the pod I'm, yet i've stepped into a creative photography position with georgia state's athletic program so this upcoming saturday the third first game of the season up in columbia against south carolina the gamecocks georgia upset. state georgia state <laughs> is looking to upset them on their home turf under the lights at williams bryce stadium so i'll get the chance to be there and uh to cover some of the some of the action, which I'm really excited about. And uh, I hope the Gamecock, Gamecock fans bring it, but I hope the team takes the L. But anything yeah, can happen. It's uh, It'll be a cool experience nonetheless. And I know um, yeah, We need some clap emojis it. in the comments. Please get, get the clap emojis going. Yeah, um, that's going to be so cool. Good, man. College football is here. I saw, I'm honestly, I was thinking about today. I said the cool kickoffs. I'm so ready for fall weather to be here. Just oh, like... Man. Putting on the layers, a nice warm jacket. Man, I just, a cool breeze and the, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Uh, but it's good to see it. What, uh, who's that number? Is it it's number seven on the jersey? Number seven. I don't know how old this is, to be honest. It could have been a, a number of players. Um, Ted Ginn is the first one that really comes to mind. That's what I, don't I was know thinking. If this was Ted the era. Hey, we'll, um, we'll give him the credit there. Yeah. Yeah. But, CJ Stroud, who we're going to talk about a little bit later, is rocking number seven at the quarterback position. Mm. So very excited to see what he can do this year. Yeah, as we said, the college football games have kicked off opening weekend. You had some of the week zero games, like the one like Nebraska, Northwestern, in which Scott Frost once again begins losing games for Nebraska. (laughs) Uh, Vanderbilt took care of business out in Hawaii. Uh, But there's some some big headliners this weekend. You had number five, Notre Dame. Versus your guys, the Buckeyes, Ohio State, college game day will be at that one. That's an incredible first game this season. Um, I mean, are you feeling confident against this Notre Dame team? Being a Buckeye fan is is interesting. You know, you have great recruits, you have great players. It should be not a walk in the park, but, um, you know, you should, you should be handling business. Um, I'm just afraid that Notre Dame will be the team that shows up first and it'll have to go deep into the second half for, for the Buckeyes to win. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really know how to feel. I'm obviously very excited. I think we'll win. I think the spread is like 17 and a half or something crazy. 
Um, so I don't know if that's if we'll win by that much. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. What do you think? Well, I know when Georgia has played Notre Dame the past couple of seasons here and there, it's been some really exciting atmospheres. And I can only imagine the atmosphere is going to be pretty incredible on Saturday night. Having yeah. game day there is going to draw in some crowds and obviously being probably the, the nightcap on whatever ABC will be pretty incredible too. So it's going to have the atmosphere. It's just a matter of Ohio State can bring it. CJ Stroud is going to be you know, all eyes on him. They're expecting big things from him. Potential Heisman candidate. Um he already, I saw that thing this week. He bought, um, what, his whole team, $500 suits. So yeah, he says, you have a $500 gift card. Go get some nice suits and get ready for the game. <laughs> yeah, so he's uh, nice. he's season ready. The boys will be looking sharp coming off the bus on Saturday. But, um, you know, I, I have pretty high expectations for Ohio State. The big thing with them is just defense. They've always been pretty solid on offense. Um, yeah. Playing the Big Ten, there's usually some prolific offenses and it's just a matter of, you know, when it comes to the playoff, you know, let's just say Alabama or Georgia comes along, how their defense can handle um, those teams. But, yeah, it's an exciting time to be a Buckeye a great fan. Point. Yeah, it really is. That's a great point. Our defense last year is really what cost us the season. Um, I think our offense could have scored 50 points a game and our defense would have let up 56. So if, if they can sure up, we brought in the guy from Oklahoma State, the coach, I think the defensive coordinator. I think that's right. Oklahoma State sounds right. Um, so it'll be his first game this weekend. Um, really interesting to see what he can bring, what type of defensive, you know, packages and you know intensity he can bring there. Um, if if they figure that out and that that starts clicking there, they're going to be a, a scary team for the for the rest of the season. So yeah, yeah, and I'm excited. Georgia is more or less hosting Oregon. Oregon's coming to play at Mercedes Benz Stadium, which is you know it. Atlanta is only a couple miles away realistically from Athens and you know, George already plays there twice a year. It seems like so <laughs> they get three really, home games every right. year. <laughs> so it's really nothing, nothing special <laughs> for the dog fans, but uh, they're coming in ranked third on the season, reigning national champions, Oregon coming in, stealing Georgia's defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning. He'll be the new head coach of the ducks um, as Mario Cristobal, I think went to Miami. And so Oregon, a team that's, been on that playoff perimeter um, really since they had their last playoff or not playoff appearance, but their national championship appearance was at 2014 against Florida state. I want to say was um, uh, against Ohio state, Ohio uh, state where they lost. Yeah. Um, in the playoff. Was so yeah, they've, so I think it was yeah, 15, they played Ohio state and they lost to Florida. They played Florida state when Jameis had that horrible game in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 Was the same season, <laughs> I guess. Um, anyways, yeah. uh, so Oregon looking to kind of become a, you know, perennial playoff program. Obviously, you know, coming to new head coach for the past couple of years, they've had some turnover, um, but hopefully Dan Lanning can bring that Georgia, um, you know, nature of being, you know, hunkering down and playing good defense, bringing that to a Pac-12 team might be the difference maker. As the Pac-12 evolves and these conferences are changing, you got teams going from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, like USC and UCLA, and teams like Texas and Oklahoma the next couple of years going to the SEC. So, a lot of shakeup, but not yet this year, um, which leaves the ability for these nice big matchups to be out of conference, um, much like Cincinnati taking on Arkansas. Uh, Cincinnati coming in hot last year, having a great season, losing Desmond Ritter, um, some key pieces in that offense. Um, so they dropped to 23rd to start in the rankings, but at least plenty of room if they want to repeat um, as they take on Arkansas to start the season. 
You expecting similar results from Cincinnati, or they're probably going to lose a little bit of that touch under, I think it's Luke Fickle. Yeah, yeah, Luke Fickle, ex-Ohio State coach. Um, definitely, they lost that, uh, what's his name, Sauce Gardner uh, on the defense, um, who was outstanding for them. So Cincinnati is definitely a big question mark this year. Um, but hopefully, you know, that'd be cool to have Cincinnati sort of be this year in year out contending for the playoffs. Um, yeah. And I don't think, I don't think they looked awful last year either in the playoffs. So they held their own to an extent and, um, it's really up to them how far they want to go this season. Arkansas is a big test though. Big test. Right. And yeah, Cincinnati's probably thinking, where's our big 10 bid? Why don't we get the invite? Um, they've yeah. been fighting hard these past couple of years. Luke Fickle's definitely building that program. Um, but Arkansas, understand Pittman, again, another former Georgia coach, has always got them big boys in Arkansas moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll be looking to improve upon what they did last year. He got a big contract with them. Um, but that's going to be a 23 versus 19 matchup. And then Clemson, a team that underperformed last season, didn't win an ACC championship, did not get into the college football playoff. Taking on Georgia Tech and a Tech team that is pretty abysmal, um, but they'll be kicking off on Monday night at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So two games in Atlanta downtown. Um, I'm sure the Tigers will roll over the Yellow Jackets, but if not, this is a litmus test to see what Clemson's going to show up. Is it the Clemson team that's been in the playoff year in and year out, or is it the Clemson team that is on a downward trend under Dabo Sweeney? Georgia Tech might be the ones to determine the trajectory of Clemson's season. Utah taking on the Florida Gators. That one, a Utah team that's trying to impress early to get those playoff voters looking at them throughout the season as they take on Florida. A big win for them could potentially throw them up close to the top five, um, barring any changes in those rankings. And then as we're filming this one now, it's probably wrapping up. West Virginia took on Pitt, the ACC champions, the Pittsburgh Panthers. Um, West Virginia getting in JT Daniels from Georgia on a transfer. That quarterback has had a change of scenery three times now from USC to Georgia, now to Morgantown in West Virginia, uh, the Mountaineers. So, yeah, that's some of the games that are on the weekend lineup. Um, some good matchups, definitely to get your Saturday going, uh, get your picks in, get your jerseys ready, get your face paint mm-hmm. if you're really into that. Uh, but more or less, football is back and a busy weekend in sports with baseball, soccer, football. Um, it's all it's all here. Everything's it feels going good on. Sports fan. I know. I love it. Uh, it's always a great time to be a sports fan early and late into the fall. Um, but really, talking about our predictions today, um, some current Heisman front runners. We had Bryce Young last year, who really just impressed. Um, an interesting year for Alabama. Uh, really steamrolled through the season. They beat Georgia in the SEC championship. Things were looking good. Things were looking great. And then a matchup with the dogs in Indianapolis. Saw them fall short with injuries, I think, uh, to Jameis Williams, I think, in the title Mm -hmm. game. And, um, yeah, they saw them fall short. Georgia, more or less, I would not – I would call it a dominated that game. It was a couple scores that put them ahead to get the national championship. But Bryce Young is a Heisman frontrunner once again. And I think he'll have reason to think he might repeat. This is a guy that's got the talent. He's a little undersized. People talk about that a little bit, but he's mobile. He's smart. Um, he make good decisions um, looking down the field. And um, I don't know, is this one of your favorites to pick the Heisman this year? Or what are you thinking along those lines? 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely Bryce Young. Um, actually, I didn't think he had a great year last year. Uh, I know his stats say differently, but in-game, um, just just wasn't 100%. And I think he was only a freshman last year, so uh, obviously there's a ton of room to grow. Um, this year you're going to see – probably the last we'll ever see of Bryce Young. <laughs> he might move on to the NFL next year. I know he's high up on some of the mock drafts. Um, but, yeah, definitely one of the front runners. Um, obviously, like we said earlier, C.J. Stroud, another amazing freshman year last year. Um, this dude can sling it, that's for sure. Um, at times, looked a little bit scared. Um, you know, shell-shocked in some games. Um, but again, stepping into a sophomore season, I think it's really going to be between these two only CJ Stroud and Bryce young. Um, there'd have to be like a crazy injury or I don't know. I don't know what would have to happen if it wasn't going to be the either of these guys. Right. And yeah, last year it was what Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, the defensive lineman or defensive edge was a mm-hmm. front runner coming down the stretch, but he fell short. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to be a voter, I guess, um, kind of comparing offensive production versus defensive production. Um, but yeah, I don't see anyone else really competing sh- like firmly, strongly. Um, it's going to be between those two guys. I think those will be the um, two headliners. Yeah, Caleb Williams from USC uh, making the move from Oklahoma, which I thought was sort of strange. Maybe he's had a really good relationship with Lincoln, Lincoln Riley as he became the new USC head coach. Um which again, no allegiance in any of these sports anymore. No, Lincoln no, Riley, no. you know, is he afraid of the SEC? Was the money just that good at USC, the program there that's been, you know, more or less non-existent since 2006 um, yeah. in the days of Matt Liner and Reggie Bush? Um, yeah, it's every single year. Is Texas back? No. Is USC back? <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, I don't, there's so many teams. It feels like that these sports media teams talk about are the New York Knicks back. No, um, <laughs> it's just every year. There's these teams from the big markets that the, you know, the, the media wants to do on, um, I don't know, USC. Probably has some, yeah. You know, you can't you gotta I guess. try to uh, hype them up and do something. I mean, but, they, they get millions and millions and millions of dollars from boosters every year. So, <laughs> right. And I'll even go. <laughs> I'll throw this in too. This is actually something we probably should have mentioned. The idea is uh, Donovan Mitchell getting traded from the Utah Jazz, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and Stephen A. Smith is saying, my New York Knicks, I'm making another move. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah, it's embarrassing to be a New York fan, especially the Knicks. Um, Are we digging at the Knicks right now? Come on. Come on. I got, as a Hawks You're fan, biased. I have to. You're biased. Trey Young's the father of the Knicks. Um, it's true. But anyways, back to football. Uh, yeah, I think there'll be some growing pains for USC's program. Year one, got to find some identity under Lincoln Riley. I'm sure they'll probably win the Pac-12. Um, but will that be enough for them to get into the college football playoff? Probably not. Um, just considering the strong teams like Ohio State, um, like Georgia, Alabama. Um, Texas A&M's a big question mark. They might be a team that, you know, let's just say they beat Alabama, probably have a straight shot to the SEC championship. They go in with one loss, maybe lose. So let's just say Georgia. A two-loss AM probably gets in over a one-loss USC. That's just the discussion that usually goes down as these SEC teams usually have that bias over Pac-12 mm-hmm. teams. Considering that, 
it's just a weaker conference. Um, but yeah, I think if I had to have like a dark horse though for the um, Heisman race, Brock Bowers tied in from UGA last year just had an incredible season. Mm. I mean, it just felt like every single game this kid scored. It's a he was a freshman last year. Yeah, he was a beast. Um, he had 56 receptions, 882 yards, and 13 touchdowns. 13 touchdowns is a freshman tied end. So if he can come anywhere close to replicating that, I know Stetson Bennett's back under the center. Um, he's been his guy. Um, you lose Jermaine Burton to Alabama. Uh, you lose George Pickens to the NFL. So Brock Bowers in one of the best tight end rooms in the nation, having Darnell Washington, big O, um, mm-hmm. he'll be a big target for Stetson, which has me thinking he could be a Heisman dark horse, a tight end. I don't think it's ever won. Um, but at this point, he's just a big old wide receiver that um, gets plenty of targets and can move down the field and score some touchdowns. So kind of an interesting pick, maybe a little bit of bias, but realistically, like he's got the talent to do it. It's just a matter of, on the production that Georgia can produce this year. Who would you have as your dark horse pick? That's a really great shout. It's really hard for a tight end to, to win a trophy like this. Um, But if he's scoring every single game, putting up the yards like he was doing last year as a freshman, you expect him to grow in that. So maybe hitting a thousand yards, 15 touchdowns, maybe incredible. Um, we'll see how Georgia's offense is. I still think there's a lot of question marks there. Um, but definitely a good shout. This guy I think was in the final, um, Heisman running last year, but it's Will Anderson jr. From Alabama. He's a linebacker. I think he can play some DN too. just a freak athlete. Of course, um, had 17 and a half sacks last year, which was first. Overall, he had a bunch of other stats too. I couldn't find them, but um, absolute animal. Better than Aiden Hutchinson last year. Um, this guy might go first overall in the next draft. Could very, very easily, I don't know about easily, but could win the Heisman if it wasn't for his uh, teammate, Bryce Young. <laughs> right. Keeping him, keeping him out of it. And obviously, as a, as a defensive player, it's really, really hard to to win it uh, we saw with like chase young a couple years ago um even the bosa brothers um you can be the best in the country by a mile and still not get recognized as as the heisman so it is what it is you know what i'm surprised about though we don't have any running backs on here yeah i think the best running back i think i know is a kid from texas yeah that's what i saw too i think he has the best odds the preseason highs and stuff, but I can't remember his name right now, but I think he's sort of been on, on the brink um, of his breakthrough. And this might, I mean, it could be his year. If Texas is back, if Texas is, is back, is, is it B. John Robinson? I think that's last right, name yeah. Robinson. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah. Running backs. It's just such a weird, you know, transition the, and the sport really running backs somewhat being relegated out, especially like, um, and the NFL, like their value is sort of plummeted in some ways, like just so much turnover. Um, yeah, it's such a strange thing. But in, in college football, there's plenty of room for them to impress. Uh, but let's talk about the college football playoff, the final four. What do we think about that? We, <laughs> I think it made the news. Uh, Desmond Howard from ESPN and College Game Day. You saw his final four pick, didn't you? 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember what he said. I'm going to look it up. I, quick, I, I, I got it. I've got it. In you front do? Of okay. <laughs> so just to remind you, the viewers and listeners, Desmond Howard, lovely guy. Heisman funny. winner. Heisman winner. The last, the last defensive player to win um, the Heisman, I believe. I think he played uh, both ways, too. He did. He did. Insane. And uh, his college football playoff picks were Texas A&M, Pittsburgh, Baylor, and Michigan. With a Michigan-Texas A&M National Championship and the Aggies winning it. Now, Desmond is either the smartest man on the planet or the dumbest analyst on ESPN staff. I mean, the Baylor Bears. The Pittsburgh Panthers. I can maybe let A&M slide. I said that earlier. Two loss, one loss, A&M maybe slides in. Michigan with all the recruits, good coach at AM. Big Ten, Michigan wins, fine. He has to say that. But there's no way that Georgia or Alabama, one of them does not get in, I think. Just realistically, I think one of them is gonna make it. Yeah, it'd have to be a crazy, crazy year for one of those guys not to make it. Um I think it it had to be a crazy year for Alabama not to make it. Um Yeah, I don't know what he was, you know, what he was doing earlier before that set. <laughs> or if they just handed it, you know, maybe they wrote it for him and say, hey, say this. This will be awesome. We'll get a ton of yeah. clicks, which they did. Um, so I wonder if he was fed that by the producers. But insane, insane. Like, I I don't think th- – I wonder what the odds are on that. I'm sure someone's calculated the odds of – of, uh, Pitt making it, Baylor making it, whatever else. Oh, I'm sure he bad. probably has some money on it that if they get it, he's going to make a lot of money. <laughs> he might as but well. Unlikely. Uh, but realistically, though, like if you had to pick four teams, who would you throw in? What are you expecting your playoff to look like? Uh, obviously, I'll throw Ohio State in there. I think they will go undefeated this year. Um, and... Yeah, probably have the best. Well, maybe not the best in the country because there's always teams that just have crazy numbers. But in the higher ranking teams, probably the best offense in the country. Um, With obviously CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba coming back. Obviously, the wide receiver room is absolutely stacked at Ohio State. So who knows who's going to come next? Trayvon Henderson running back. Had a really good year last year uh, as a freshman. Um, We'll see what he can do. But so OSU, obviously Alabama, I think will make it in some way, shape, or form. I think Clemson will be back, unfortunately. I know no one really likes that or wants that. Uh, but Dabo Sweeney and his boys will will be back in the fight if they don't lose to Georgia Tech, which they definitely could because they almost did last year, um, by the way. And I, think, and I think Oregon will make it. I think... Oregon might play a close game against Georgia. Oregon's quarterback transfer from Auburn, Bo Nix, who is probably a senior at this point, had, didn't really play well for Auburn, to be honest. Um, but maybe his veteran presence takes them over the edge with all of their talent that they get up there. Um, I think a one-loss Oregon gets in over a one-loss Georgia maybe at the end of the year. I don't know. It depends. It depends. That's that, That's... That's my shout. Not really set on that, to be honest, but if I had to pick four, hmm. throw those in there. Boring. 
<laughs> well, yeah, it's it is. You can obviously you can never tell. Like you have losses that come with you know field goal, or it might be twenty four points someone loses by the <clears throat> the quality of the wins and the losses. Obviously, is what comes into account. Impossible to predict that this early on, but right. yeah, I just said earlier. I think realistically, you're going to have one of if not both Georgia and Alabama safe to assume Alabama. Um, I would definitely say Ohio state if they're the big 10 champs, really not a super insane schedule, um, but getting a win over Notre Dame top five team, you're going to have Michigan coming to Ohio state in the last game of the season. Another big game that was decisive last year. The first time Michigan beat you guys in years. Um, so a lot to prove for the Buckeyes. Um, I would probably put my money on them to win the Big Ten. And then realistically, the SEC champion, whether it be Georgia, Alabama, I'll just – I'll exclude Georgia for now. Um, so we have Alabama, Ohio State, and then something probably like Clemson will be back in it just based off of their pedigree in the past, I would bet. And then, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe Michigan does impress again. Maybe it comes down to y'all are both undefeated come November. Um, maybe y'all, maybe you lose to them in the regular season and then they, you know, you beat them in the big 10 championship. I don't know. So I think we're on the be, same side, so I don't know if we could do that. Oh, that's actually. right. That's right. So yeah. then that's an interesting take then. I still well, think it's Ohio possible. State to a Michigan to a Michigan Big Ten. Sort of like the Georgia-Alabama debate, right. right? Depending think, on think, what the teams yeah. actually look like at the end of yeah. the year. Sort of going, I guess, with the Desmond route. But signing, finding something fun, um, a little different. The odds are, though, you have Alabama's number one team, odds-wise, who are favored to win. Ohio State's second uh, Georgia, Clemson, USC is coming in at fifth. Interesting. Um, Very AM interesting. sixth, uh, Michigan seventh, Notre Dame eighth, Oklahoma nine, and then Texas tenth. So those are the odds makers. That's what they have. Um, again, Texas is Steve, Scar- Steve Garcia, Sarkeesian, so the head coach there, I think. It's just like, I don't know, Sark has in them to make uh, Texas relevant. They've just been. Oh, what a program. What a program. Um, but yeah, I guess the dark horse really would be probably Michigan sneaking in there in the playoff. Uh, after that pretty embarrassing loss to Georgia in the Orange Bowl, they might be um, looking for some redemption coming down the line. But um, yeah, excited to have Coach Football back. A fun discussion about what we want to see, some Heisman odds, and just enjoy the kickoff um, from the season. But uh, for us too, it's all about the prim. Uh, match week four has passed. Um, and the deadline has passed for the transfers. So it's been busy, busy, busy. Um, teams like Nottingham Forest have been insanely busy. Fulham making some deadline moves. Chelsea making some really big signings. Um, we'll kind of cover some of the big ones that have kind of changed the landscape of the transfer market, um, especially coming down the line. That was really important. Um, Tottenham, though, they made a, a formal signing from Christian Romero, getting him on a permanent fee from Atlanta for 55 million euros, a big one for us, um, just getting him, selling his future with Tottenham until I think 2026 or so. Uh, Bournemouth, they get center back Jack Stevens on loan from Southampton uh, to try and <laughs> find some stability. Sure after, <laughs> right. 
after that trouncing from Liverpool, uh, just oh, finding some stability in the back. Uh, Fulham, like I said, they were making some moves. Uh, they signed left back Levin Kurzawa on loan from PSG. Uh, they brought in Carlos Vinicius, who was a Tottenham loanee in 2021 um, from Benfica for only about four and a half million pounds, which his option to buy for Tottenham two years ago was 40 million. So that's a really good deal for Fulham to get him um, to work up there on top with Mitrovic, who been making some noise. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan James comes in on loan from Leeds. Um, hopefully he can get some playing time with them. And then they bring in the Brazilian Willian, uh, the Chelsea and Arsenal reject who had gone back to Brazil to Corinthians, I believe it was, and comes back to the Premier League, Brandon, uh, making some weights Fulham. Are you a little thrown off by this? Yeah, they've been sound. And I think, again, I think they're a good team. Um, but this Willian signing is out of left field. Probably the worst signing of the transfer window. Um, hopefully his wages aren't high because he was not playing well when he was at Arsenal. I think he was back in Brazil. They either cut him or agreed to like terminate the contract, I think it might have been. Right. Why in the world are they trying to bring this guy back to life? Um, I, I wish him all the best, really, but that is a waste of money. An absolute waste of money. I'd rather play a 19 year old up and coming player than, than spend. I don't, I, I don't know how, how much he's on probably 200 grand a week on, on Fulham. And I, I don't think he'll play. I don't think he'll play at all. It is crazy. Yeah. He is 32 or three. I want to say he is now um, getting up there in age at this point. Yeah. His Arsenal contract probably would have been close to ending, but it's just strange. I guess Fulham, just are desperate for some production and maybe he can do something, but yeah, it'll probably be a stretch of a signing for them. Um, but man United, they get in Martin Dubrovka on loan from Newcastle United after loaning out Dean Henderson and having David De Gea as the front man, just some depth to have, I guess for their European campaign to give Dave um, some off time. Everton get Adrisa Gay uh, back from PSG after a short stint with them for 8 million pounds. And, uh, you can kind of list off a couple of the next ones, starting off with Lester. Yeah, they finally, finally signed somebody. Um, uh, oh, man, Woot, Woot Faze, let's just say that's how you pronounce his name, um, from Stade de Rems um, for 15 million pounds. I think Stade de Rems, aren't they in champ? No, I think maybe they're in the Europa League. Yeah, I don't think they're in Champions League. They're not in Champions League. I think they're in their Europa League this year. So, I don't know. We'll see. You know, Leicester always has an eye uh, for these type of transfers. He'll come in, maybe sure. I think he plays defense. Um, So, we'll really, really see what that brings to them. Is that enough? The answer is no, but we'll get into that later. Um, My team, Aston Villa, poor, poor Aston Villa, they sign... Um, then Donker from Wolves for a good fee, about 13 million pounds. Really good midfielder. Played a lot of games in the Premier League. Tall, can play multiple positions. Um, actually really excited about this signing. Um, people are slagging him off on Twitter. Um, really good signing, in my opinion. And another good signing, um, Yan, Yan, Yan 
<laughs> oh my God, Bednarek, the center back on loan from Southampton. I think there might be an option to buy. Probably won't do it. Um, but tall, again, a lot of Premier League experience. These are these are just sure signings. You know, uh, I'm going to sure up the team a little bit, strengthen our roster, and Lord knows we need it at this moment in time. Um, probably, maybe I don't know if it's the most exciting, but definitely pretty crazy. Nottingham Forest signed their 19th, 20th, and 21st signing of the transfer window. Insane. I wonder what the record is because I think this might be it. I think they might be setting a record for. A and I think they also. I don't think it's been formalized, but I think they're bringing Sarge Arie also on a deal. Yeah. I think it's like as he's really? technically a free agent or something, basically. Oh, I guess he could sign him whenever. So. He might have insane. a 22nd signing. Like, that's, just a whole, that's a whole new squad. Coming into the summer, you're thinking, all right, we'll get promoted, feeling good about with, with the chops. And then <laughs> okay. season starts, and there's 23 new people in the locker room. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's pretty insane. Pretty remarkable, yeah. especially for a team that's been out of the league for, what, 22 years or something like that? Yeah. Um, so well, trying to put their stamp on the league, and they're doing it with a record number of signings. Yeah, they're going for it. Um, center back Willie Bolly from Wolves. Uh, winger Josh Bowler from Blackpool. They actually just loaned him back out, so he's technically not on the team anymore. Um, but then center back Loic Beatty, let's just say that's how you pronounce it, on loan from Stad Rene. Um, that'll be interesting. We'll see what that does for them. <sighs> I. I think it's a, a great transfer window for them. A lot of sensible signings, a lot of, um, I don't know if assured is the word, but um, yeah, calculated signings, calculated risks. Nottingham Forest, they're going to stay up. They're going to stay up. Yeah. <laughs> Staff guaranteed right there. Guaranteed. Wow. I swear they're going to stay up. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, definitely saying something. I mean, yeah, it's hard when you do that much to not think you could stay up. I think that's just a panic buy, maybe some like some of those from them. But at the end of the day, they'll see it as reinforcements to help them stay up. Uh, much like Man City continues to get reinforcements just because they have an endless pocketbook. Uh, Manuel Akanji coming from Borussia Dortmund for 15 million pounds. Southampton getting Coletta Carr from Marseille for close to 9 million pounds. And then Liverpool on loan getting Arthur from Juventus, who's only 26 years old. And he's moved like teams four times, it feels like. Um, a strange career, but with the injury to Thiago Alcantara, um, he's been sidelined for a bit. This will kind of shore up that uh, midfield position. Um, Arthur can offer a little bit. I mean, he hasn't yeah. been as productive, I think, as of late, but maybe a new fresh start in Liverpool will be um, something for him. And including fresh start, more or less just a, a loop coming back. Uh, I think this is probably the most notable, perhaps, signing mm-hmm. on deadline day, I would argue. Um, what did Chelsea do to sure up their offense? We had mentioned in a couple of the previous podcasts <clears throat> with who Chelsea was rumored with signing a striker, uh, Aubameyang. Yes, Aubameyang is back to the Premier League uh, from Barcelona for about a $10.3 million uh, sorry, million pound fee plus Marcus Alonso. I know Barcelona was trying to get Marcus Alonso all summer. They finally made a deal to make it happen. Aubameyang, are you surprised to see this? Um, how well can he do for Chelsea this year? We know they've been crying for a striker. Um, they have one. Okay, it's still, <laughs> I think I've said this five times, it feels like, either mentally or out loud. 
I just don't know what the heck Barcelona is doing. <laughs> they make these signings six months ago. We're going to bring in a bomb Yang from Arsenal. He does somewhat well. Uh, bring in Memphis Depay. Both of them now are basically like on a link to leave or did leave. Uh, and it's just so strange. I don't know if they just hated Barcelona or what, but sort of strange, but coming back to London as an Arsenal player, maybe his time was that bad mentally for him where he's sort of spiting Arsenal and saying, you know, look what I'm doing now, playing Champions League football. And he'll come and look to, you know, pounce on Arsenal when he gets a chance to show the Gunners who's boss. Uh, sort of strange, I guess, from that point of view, but obviously for him, just the chance to play regular football in the Premier play with League. Tuchel is, again. Yeah, hard to pass up. His time with him at, I think it was Dortmund, right? Dortmund, yeah. Um, yeah, to have that link up, familiarity is always good to have in the sport. Uh, yeah, you know, good for him. He might, you know, be bounced pretty soon if he yeah. can't perform. Um, and Tuchel will have to find a replacement in January. So it's a pretty, what was it, 13 million pounds? Or 10. So it's not 10. a big That's investment, um, but it's probably a smart bit of business. After they, especially they spent so much money on Fofana to bring him in. Um, Chelsea's been splashing a little bit of cash. So this is a sensible deal um, for them, so I can respect that. And then they bring in uh, Dennis Sicaria on loan from Juventus as well. So busy, 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 close to the end of the, the window Great for signing. Chelsea and the Blues. Um, I'm sure that one will probably be more or less what in exchange for Conte, right? Kind of them being interchangeable. Yeah. This, uh, Dennis, I think it's Zachariah. Um, Villa was actually linked with them last year. Um, but I think he came from Monk and Gladbach maybe. Um, a really, really good up and coming player. I think he's really young, maybe 23. Um, this is their next, um, defensive midfielder, you know, like that engine of the midfield, um, and it's, it's a phenomenal signing. I honestly, and this isn't an overreaction. I don't think maybe I could throw this in there, but this is like the, these signings that they've made this summer could push them into second place. Uh, I thought they were there last year. I was mistaken, obviously with Liverpool just being so good, but with things up in the air, um, Chelsea making some pretty good signings. I think the Obama Yang signing is good. Um, you know, Christian Pulisic might get some playing time because they played together back in Dortmund. Uh, maybe there's something there. Chelsea could really, really surprise people this year um, if they, you know, turn this this ship around, this Tuchel, this Tuchel ship around. They've been they've been treading water a little bit, definitely yeah. treading some water early on. But so we've been talking about this. There's so much time to turn things around, um, to right the ship, to start bailing out some water, um, shoring up that defense, bringing in Fofana. Um, yeah, things are looking up for the blues for sure. Um, but as someone that's been blue, a little sad being part of that Arsenal team, just can't get out of the squad. Hector Bellerin finally gets his move away from the Gunners. He had spent some good time at Real Batiste winning the Copa del Rey. I think it was over Barcelona or Madrid. I can't remember. Um, so fun for him to get that trophy. And now he makes the move to the bigger squad in Spain, Barcelona, probably his dream place to play. Um, a good move for him. Arsenal at this point have moved on, um, bringing Tomiyasu in to play his position. Um, and Barcelona having just loaned out, I think with option to buy or did buy Sergino Dest to AC Milan. So uh, pretty much direct replacement to play right back for them now. Yeah. 
Barcelona, very interesting transfer window. Um, I think we could have a whole podcast about that alone. Uh, so we will leave it there. I'm sure the historians will look back on and think, what was going on with that team? Yeah, they will. Um, well, they don't exist in 20 years. About it. Yeah, <laughs> if they exist, that's the thing. If they might be off the radar in 20 years' time, anything can happen. We've seen big clubs fall and uh, go into bankruptcy and fail before. It's not to say that one of the biggest clubs in the world can't do it themselves. Well, that's the transfer deadline that just passed uh, a busy, busy time. Uh, so many moves. I think three and a half billion pounds were spent over the summer window, which is insane. Um, obviously, the Premier League being the most spending to have happened there, uh, but pretty incredible summer of moves. Well, uh, Liverpool and Newcastle played in the midweek, and it was a stunner. Uh, Newcastle went up early, new signing Alexander Isaac. He scored a goal in the 38th minute. Uh, this kid's big, he's tall, and he is ferocious. He's hungry to score goals, and he posted this one in the 38th minute. Um, but Liverpool equalized in the 61st minute. And what happened in stoppage time, B-Pat? Well, Bobby Firmino can't stop scoring. So <laughs> yeah. good for okay, him. Crazy. I guess he's in back that, on track. In, in that 9-0 game, it was the first time he had scored at um, Anfield in two or three years. Yeah. Which is insane. Crazy. So maybe he, you know, he'll have a huge role to play this year. I don't know. But sort of controversially, sort of not really in my opinion. Um, last minute goal from young Fabio Carvalho. In the 98th minute, I think there's only five minutes of added uh, time there, yeah. but I think um, Nick Pope, the goalie for Newcastle, like I won't say fake, but had an injury in in uh, in stoppage time there um, that took about a minute and a half, about. So, but still, that that's another a minute and a half that they they kept on um, to allow the goal. So there was there was some actual controversy over the game and how it ended, but. Amazing scenes at Anfield. The young kid puts it in the back of the net. Um, and yeah, it goes down, goes down in history, 2-1 to uh, the Liverpool. And already at this point, bringing Luis Diaz in the winter and now Fabio Carvalho, those two guys, seems like they've already won them four or five games. Obviously, this is the first one um, this season, but Liverpool making some good young signings. Um, but does this put them back on track? Are there still some kind of lingering doubts about them? Yeah, yeah. I definitely have some doubts about them still. Um, their wins don't really look convincing. Again, having to score in in the game that probably should have been over with um, before they scored it. But, the, you know, you play to the whistle. Um, they still have great players and one of the best coaches in, in the world, um, The best, some of the best fans in the world. They're still going to be a solid team, but pushing Man City... I think that's really what we're talking about here. Right. I don't think they're back on that track. Um, but as Liverpool always do, they find ways to grind out games, get results. Um, and this is just another example of that. So maybe they are, maybe they are. We'll have to see. Uh, West Ham and Tottenham played London going to the Olympic stadium. Um, and really Tottenham liked that kind of creative quality through the match. Uh, but it did just enough offensively on a counter in the 30th something minute, I think it was, uh, to get a goal and force an own goal, ultimately forcing a draw with West Ham threatening most of the game. Um, they looked the better side. Uh, the Hammers will definitely be disappointed to only walk away with the point, but Tottenham will be content staying unbeaten so far in the year. Um, did you watch this one? I know for me it was 
kind of a sigh of relief that it was over. Um, especially in like the 94th minute West Ham had a, a ball that just went across the face of the goal with no one to tap in. I was like, Oh my God, thank God. Um, but yeah, it's good to be unbeaten, but West Ham definitely looked the better side on the day. Yeah. Yeah, they, they did. Um, but I think that's just sort of Conte's style. Uh, we've seen it in the other games, even against Nottingham Forest, Nottingham Forest looked threatening, but were they ever actually, um, West Ham's a better team than Nottingham Forest. Uh, but West Ham, they need to figure out how to score goals. Um, they brought in, I think, their highest transfer ever, Skamaka, from Italy. He needs to start putting him in the back of the net here shortly, or they're going to start calling him a bust. Um, he hasn't gotten a lot of time either, but yeah. Um, West Ham, yeah, they could probably feel hard done by by this. They definitely were better on the day. Um, but Tottenham getting points, not dropping, you know, not dropping a lot of points here, staying in the mix up top. This is what they, this is what they're going to be all year, I think. Um, so I wouldn't expect to see a similar game to this again <laughs> under Conte this year. Yeah. Hopefully we'll look to improve uh, much like there's so much room for improvement for both of these sides. One of them trajecting up and one of them trajecting down Man United and Leicester City. This one ended 1-0 in favor of Man United. Uh, Jane Sancho scores in back-to-back games. Leicester really failed to create much. Man U, I mean, they didn't look outstanding. Um, but again, they did enough to get over the line. Um, and they got the win. Uh, but really, for me, the point isn't so much Man United kind of rebounding from an embarrassing start of the season. But really, the clock is ticking right now for the Foxes, which sort of brings me to the overreactions a little bit. And... <laughs> My overreaction is being that Brennan Rodgers in two months' time won't be manager of Leicester City. And depending on how things go, he might be manager of your team, Aston Villa. Is that an overreaction for you? I don't think that's an overreaction. I think he came out and started saying stuff about the club today and not getting enough investment yeah. yep. uh, after the game. So uh, we saw how that worked out for Scott Parker <laughs> at Bournemouth. Because um, I guess he, the sack he did. Yeah, because he was talking so much is really why he got he got fired. Um, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, Brendan Rodgers knows how to get a job done. His tenure typically lasts about two and a half years, so I think he's at that point for Lester uh, or his good tenure. Um, no, I don't. I think that's definitely fair. And I think the managers of managers of these three teams that we'll get into my reaction. Might all be gone in two months' time looking for uh, new employers. Maybe we just switch them around and see what happens. Um, my overreaction is Leicester, Everton, and Aston Villa will all be in a relegation battle this year. Um, two giants in Everton and Villa um, that haven't really reached those heights in a while. Leicester, who's won the Premier League more recently than both of them, um, have great investment from their owners. Ha- ha- seemed like they had a really good thing running. Look, pff, devoid of really any ideas this year. Um, Everton, obviously not great. And Villa, good Lord, probably the worst out of the three, to be completely honest. I don't know how we're not bottom of the table. Um, Leicester is, and I think Everton's above us by... I think we're tied on points, but maybe I think that, you know, you know, it's early in the season. So whatever, it's goal differential, but um, yeah, I think they'll all be in a relegation battle this year. And I hate to say that because that means my preseason predictions are wrongo, <laughs> um, but a bit out of whack, huh? 
they'll uh i just man i don't want to talk about it really they look absolutely abysmal um so maybe we're not gonna get anything from this next game but maybe they can get two after that <laughs> yeah it is what, tough do th- what do you think about that is that an overreaction I don't think it's an overreaction. I think, especially considering what happened last year, almost half the league got sacked. I don't think it's an overreaction to be thinking those thoughts, um, to be completely honest. It's tough. It's tough for the streets out here. The Premier League. <laughs> it's it's dog eat dog world. And um, yeah, Villa, Everton, and Leicester are, will certainly be the ones, I think, next in line if things don't go well for their clubs. Uh, well, coming up now, we have our next games coming. Down the stretch, uh, Everton and Liverpool, a uh, Merseyside derby. Anthony Gordon does stay at Everton, um, but really, how bad does it get for Everton in this game, in your opinion? Oof. Um, I don't know. I think they might have an okay chance. I know that's weird, but mm-hmm. I think... <sighs> Liverpool, if we're thinking they're back on track, this could be ugly. Um, it could be three zero or three one with maybe Anthony Gordon pulling something, you know, pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Um, but that's going to be the only way they score. I think, um, yeah, Frank Lampard's just not a good enough manager to, to create a game plan for them to, to win this game. If they could hold on for a draw that they'll count that as a win. Um, but no, I think, I really think Liverpool takes this. It is at Goodison park though. So that's something to keep in mind, but Liverpool will just will definitely just be too much in the end, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't count on Everton to do much. Uh, it, yeah, it, it counts to having it at Goodison Park. Um, I want to say, was it a draw last season? Did they draw Liverpool last season, maybe? Mm, I'll look I it up real quick. I can't remember, but... Yeah, maybe Frank and the boys can rally together for one game um, early on. Something that means something to them, get some momentum. But really, I feel like Liverpool is probably going to put them in the dirt, to be honest. Um, it's just hard to get points against a Liverpool team that you know was struggling early on. And if they're going to put the pieces together now, it's a poor time to be playing them as they get rolling um, they can go on an unbeaten streak, potentially. They are very streaky in that sense. Can go 13, 14, 15 games without losing. And Everton is a good place to continue to do so. Uh, Nottingham Formis and Bournemouth, two teams closer to the bottom. The 20-plus signings finishing off the window for Nottingham, as we said. Looking to see how they begin to melt together. And Bournemouth, their second game without Scott Parker, um, is a pretty good time for Nottingham to secure three points, I would definitely say. Um and then Tottenham Fulham, a London Derby, back home for Tottenham. Are you expecting Tottenham to improve upon their um, performance over um, the last game? Uh, yeah, I will. Also, I couldn't find that in my quick like ten second search. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I really do. Fulham again, good team, going to be solid. Um, we've seen how they they've played a couple of teams this year. Um, pretty good games, but I think Tottenham might not mess around with Fulham because they could uh, put them in some trouble. Uh, so I think Tottenham will keep a clean sheet. Um, Mitrovic won't won't do his dirty magic. Um, and I'll say I'll say a three nothing Tottenham win. I know that sort of sounds crazy, but I think um, Sonny gets on gets on the 
on the goals this year starts his campaign. Um, Kane obviously will get one and maybe, maybe Sun gets two. Let's say Sun gets two goals. Kane gets one. It's a good day for, for Tottenham there. See now, now you're speaking my language. Talking about my boy <laughs> Sonny getting on the starting sheet, which of course, let's not forget what I said the other day. I said Richarlison was going to take him out of the lineup against West Ham. And I mean, again, Sonny's just not getting enough help to help him produce right now. Realistically, like he'll need some involvement coming this next game against Fulham. I really think it'll probably be like 4 1, to be honest. It's mm. not going to be very close. And I do expect them to blow away Fulham. But yeah, not too worried. At home, in front of the home fans, it'll be good for time to get three points. Uh, take me through. We got Brentford and Leeds. Again, not a huge, huge game. I think people will be looking at Manu versus Arsenal. Surging Manu taking on the top of the table, Arsenal. Can United continue their run of form against the Flying Gooners? Undefeated Gooners at this point. Yeah, yeah. Perfect Gooners. Um, you know, I think this is a very interesting game and probably by far the game of the week. I like Derby games, so Merseyside Derby with Everton-Liverpool is up there, and that'll be really fun to watch probably. Uh, but Man U versus Arsenal... Um, I think these two teams are f- obviously fighting for the same position. Um, my preseason prediction had them both in the Europa League. Um, but really, they're going to be up there, you know, switching spots probably all year, uh, depending on the results. So, yeah, does Jaden Sancho keep scoring goals, uh, finding himself in the right position? Quite possibly. Does Does Rashford keep you know, playing a solid 60 minutes each game, maybe. Um, does Ronaldo keep sitting? Probably. <laughs> which is um, crazy. He's in three games. He's been on the bench, which I think is the first time it's happened since like 2006 or something crazy. Like it's just, it's incredible that you keep having this guy on the bench. Yeah, I don't know. It, I don't, it really is. Uh, all I'll say is Arsenal looks way better than Man U does. Um, but when it comes to these big games, they always are a lot closer than you think they will be. I think, I don't know, actually, there's been a lot of crazy blowouts in the past couple of years with some big games, but, um, first, I think pretty real test for Arsenal, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, we'll see. We'll really see a man. You coming off. What is that? The second one in a row, third one in a row, second one in a row. Um, so third. Yeah. They're they're going to be feeling good going into that that home game against Arsenal. What do you think? I uh, I think realistically it'll probably end in a draw. Just thinking about yeah, Arsenal getting their first real test of the season. Man United coming off of that big win against Liverpool. I think it's their third straight win now. It's um, I it's it's time for players to show where they belong. Does Ronaldo belong on the bench? Does Harry Maguire still belong on the bench? Do these guys like Ilanga and Jane Sancho and Marcus Rashford, is that your front three they're going to stick with for Man United? So, again, it's sort of one of those games where you find out who you are as a team and if you're going to stick together with what you have going that's been working or if it's time for Ten Hag to kind of mix in Ronaldo with Sancho and Rashford or, you know, 
whoever it is, you know. So we'll see. We'll see how it ends up. Casemiro also came off the bench. He hasn't even put in the starting lineup. I'm sure a game against Arsenal, probably a good time for him to begin. Um, probably coming in over McTominay, I would imagine. But uh, yeah, definitely the game of the weekend. I agree with you. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, probably like a 2-2 draw, I would imagine. Maybe Ronaldo comes on the 70th minute, gets a game-tying goal. That'd be, be something I would expect for him to follow the script that way. Um, he tried to go <laughs> with the bicycle kick a little unsuccessfully, um, but dramatic nonetheless with him. So a great slate of games for the Premier League. So much to watch, including the MLS. Our Fast Five is usually where we land close to the end of these episodes. Um, Minnesota is taking on FC Dallas. We're going to make this one quick mentally. I'm taking Dallas. Um, they need some points to finish out in the West. I'll take them 2-0 over the Loons. What about you? Yeah, it's in Minnesota. I'm going to go a 2-2 draw. Both these teams are good. Um, getting towards the end of the season where they're trying to shore up their playoff roster. Yeah, yeah, 2-2. I think it's going to be a draw. And Minnesota doesn't lose often at home, so getting a big win for Dallas if that happens on my side. New York Red Bull taking on the Flying Phils. Uh, Union coming off a 4-1 win over Atlanta United. Big tears for the boys. Still in playoff contention <laughs> in the East. Um, but Red Bull is sitting behind the Union. Philadelphia coming to New Jersey for this one. Um, probably in favor of the Union. Yeah, I'd probably say they they looked you know, better than United. I'm sure they can continue to stay hot. They'll probably win 1-0 against the Red Bull. Yeah, I'm going for more goals because Philadelphia seems to be scoring a ton. They figured yeah, it out on the offensive side. Um, but New York Red Bulls, good team. Uh, I'll say 3-2 Philly, though. Okay, okay. I can respect that. Nashville taking on Austin FC, who looked incredible against LAFC. Nashville at home, though, could make a big difference for the traveling Verde, um, 2-2 draw, draw the late. Nashville holding off um, some late opportunities from Austin. From Fagundes was the MLS MVP frontrunner. 2-2 uh, draw, though, sounds good for me. Yeah, I think it'll be a draw as well. Both these teams are probably the hottest teams other than Philly uh, in the league right now um, with Henry Mukhtar for Nashville just absolutely tearing things up as of late. Uh, I'm going to go with a 3-3 draw, though. It'll be very, very exciting in Nashville. And the aforementioned Atlanta United making the trip out to Portland. I think the last time we were there, we saw red, I want to say, in the game. Um, and we desperately need points. So this is the time for Atlanta United. If they want to come down the stretch and make a playoff run, they got to get points and three points in games like this. So for the love of God, Atlanta United, please, please, please win this one. Like, 3-1. Just please for me. <laughs> Come on. I need you to do uh, 3-1 for the, for the United, please, for the five stripes. Yeah, that'd be nice. Portland coming off of a win against Seattle, which is a pretty big win for them. Um, Lenny United still bad in defense, semi-decent in offense. I think the win, 2-1. Hey, we'll see. <laughs> hey, hey come on, the boys. <laughs> uh, LAFCA taking on Real Salt Lake. Gareth Bale needs to have a solid like star performance for LAFC. He hasn't had one yet. I think it's him to take over. Time for him to take over a game. Two goals for him, I think, coming this one, and I'll see LAFC probably win three two. They've been struggling defensively. Um, Chiellini not making a big difference so far for them, but I think Gareth Bale gets a double finally for LAFC and wins three two. 
Yeah, I was actually right there in that camp with you. Uh, Gareth Bale brace. Uh, LAFC wins 2-1 over Real Salt Lake. Okay, very good. Well, this is our 35th episode. This has been fun. Um, mm-hmm. Doing the bad fan, we got, like we said, college football. The Premier League is in full swing. MLS is coming into that playoff push. We're, what, a week or two away from the NFL as well. So, so many sports to watch. Baseball is approaching its postseason it's a good time to be a sports fan man mm-hmm. um where are you going to be watching the games from this weekend finding a place to put post up or staying at home yeah i'll be in cincinnati this weekend that's right you uh, keep forgetting yes yes so i'll be in cincinnati all day saturday so i'll be trying to find a, a sports bar of some sort to watch the premier league games all the early kickoffs um for college football Maybe some baseball mix in there. Who knows? Okay. Whatever's on the telly, I'll watch. So I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun weekend though, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Well, enjoy the company. I know you've been looking forward to it, and I'll try and take some good pictures for you and everybody from Please. Columbia. You have to show um, us when you when you bring them back uh, in our next episode next week. I'm just hoping I don't like miss easy shots, like something out of focus. I'll just blame my camera. It's not my fault. You won't. Um, You'll be perfect. No, no, no. I'll be fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got some exciting stuff to share. Um, with the Panthers got some fun uniform stuff. Um, I'll be posting as well. So it's exciting time. Um, but that's going to do it for us today on the bad fan. Thank you for listening and watching along. If you've been on YouTube, go ahead and leave a like, maybe leave a comment about your predictions, whether it be soccer, football, Heisman prediction. We just want to interact with you guys, the fans. Um, tell us why you're a bad fan. What are you upset about with your team right now? All of it is an open discussion. We would love to interact with you, maybe on Twitter or Instagram. You can find us there at the bad fan and if you've been on spotify thanks for listening along we hope our voices have been nice and smooth for you today um it's been fun to get to do this with you guys and we hope you enjoy your weekend sports and enjoy your life fall is coming can't wait to wear those jackets but again thank you for supporting the bad fan brandon and i are signing off for today stay well enjoy and we will see you guys next time until then peace